from the Thai Cats Audio Network. This is the Thai Cats This Week with RJ Broadhead and Luke Tasker. Welcome to another edition of Tie Cats This Week. I'm RJ Broadhead along with Luke Tasker, and it is a Tiger Cats win that they're coming off of, Luke. It, it took a while. It took a while. Six Week six of the CFL, fifth game for the Tiger Cats, and man, it, it, it wasn't the easy way again. A lot of drama, but uh, a late victory. They needed Red Blacks to miss the field goal. But a win's a win. How do you think that changes things going forward for the Tiger Cats? Well, you hope that it does. And uh, one of those statistically strange games where you had less sacks than the opposition, more turnovers than the opposition. Um, you know, not not the prettiest game ever, but it only one thing matters. In the locker room, you know, you can, after a game like what happened in Saturday night, after a first win like that, you can take a breath and say, Boy, it feels good. I remember what it's like now to win a game, and and uh, and then those corrections are easier to make going forward. So, but, you know, there's no shortage of them. They, there's a lot that's going to have to fix, and B, and BC is playing good football. Uh, they're going to have to they're going to have to solidify some of those things that are still uh, uh, not where they want to be. Yeah, Tiger Cats at one and four, BC at three and one in that powerhouse West division. And they're a high flying team. They can put up some offense, pretty good defensively. Exciting team to watch. Their only loss has come against Winnipeg, and pretty much everybody loses to Winnipeg. So that's that's one that you, you probably look at at the schedule and think if you win it, it's it's a bit of a bonus. How tough is it? You know, we've joked around about us broadcasters being up at for a game that starts at 10 o'clock, but, <laughs> but realistically we don't matter. The players are, are the ones that matter. Is, is it tough for them to, to play a game that starts at 10 o'clock Eastern time? It is. Um, that is a long, long day out there. And I, I remember going out there um, and having an 8 PM start in BC. And I believe this is going to be 7 PM BC time. Yeah. Uh, it's still, it's a very, it's a, it's still a long time for where your, where your clock is uh, on that day. And it's hard not to wake up at 5 AM, you know, in BC time. Um, some great breakfast spots in BC though. So, you know, you have plenty <laughs> of time to, to hit all your favorite uh, locations. Uh, but yeah, it is hard. You got to you got to get right. It sounds like they were practicing later, uh, you know, and trying to do some things that way to make it. But the second part of that, you know, adversity in sort of the pregame uh, prep week kind of stuff is that it's just so so short a week, a Saturday to a Thursday. And that that adds a little bit of uh, a challenge as well. Um, the Ticats obviously you know, you're not going to, you're not going to practice and they haven't been practicing at, at, you know, full hard, uh, um, pace and you just get less a week to focus in. And, um, so there, there's all of that to go along with the storyline. Um, I remember, I remember one, uh, year in BC where, like I said, we had an 8 PM start sometimes out there and sitting around in your hotel thinking, Oh my, like, it's gotta be time to go to the stadium by now. And you got like, <laughs> three and a half hours left before you even leave for the stadium. And RJ, you know how I, I've mentioned to you many times, I was not a big warm up guy. Like I didn't want to, I didn't want to just sit around in my pads for two hours before a game. And that's sometimes what it feels like. So by the time it gets to the beginning of of that game out there, man, it can really, it can, you got to be able to renew your energy uh, at that right before that kickoff. 
If I were the Lions, I'd start every game against an East Division opponent at home at eight o'clock local. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's really an advantage, honestly. You, you touched on it just briefly there, Luke, but I think it is significant that the players, the Ticats players, have been going and practicing late at night just to get their bodies accustomed. I think it's a great idea. What do you think? Yeah, and uh, I don't really remember us ever doing that when I, as a as a player. I, I'm, I can't uh, think back to that uh, happening, but I think it's smart. I mean, if you if you're starting your on field work, you know, if you, you come in at the for the nine kind of nine o'clock meetings and everything, and you're getting on the field eleven uh, a.m. East Coast, well, it's eight a.m. on the Pacific, and you're going to be playing at eight p.m. or seven p.m. So it's just it, it's a huge difference, and might as well sort of kind of train a little bit, even though it's a five day week. But you might as well uh, get a little bit into rhythm the days before. I think it's probably a smart idea. A big signing, I guess, this week for the Tiger Cats was bringing in Kahari Jones. Um, I only see positives out of it. Kahari was a great player, a, a real offensive mind. I thought he did a great job with Montreal and probably was wrongfully let go by the Alouettes. But the Tiger Cats do have three games against the Alouettes coming up. Uh, how do you do you know Kahari? And if you do, tell us a little story. If not, what do you think of the hiring? Uh, I never had a chance to interact with him personally, actually. He was okay. a name that, of course, I knew early getting up into the CFL. I started to kind of get a, a become aware of him, and he was in Hamilton prior as a coach. I mean, prior to my years uh, as a player, uh, but he's kind of become one of the household names, a name that you kind of hear all going around the league, and he's uh, respected by a lot of guys, great offensive mind, and has had success uh, uh, uh in a few different uh, locations. And it's very interesting that, that he's coming to Hamilton. Um, Coach O has kind of made it clear. This isn't really a, uh, you know, to not read into this about Tommy Condell and his future here. And so if that's true, and if that's the case, then you get two CFL minds to sort of work together. And to be honest, I've seen situations like that not go very well or, or or not be very productive. Let's say, um, but, uh, I don't know. I mean, it seems uh, you can see you, if you look back and read the, read the, re, the, um, you know, the news reports from, from when he, the day, the days earlier this week, it sounds like Kari Jones, he's kind of coming in saying, Hey, if you, if you like it, use it. And if you don't, you know, I just want to be a net positive one way or another. It's not like he's not looking and he's not being empowered to come in and install his entire offense. He just needs to add a little bit here and there, and if the, and if that can uh, if that can be fruitful, it'd be really impressive to watch. It's kind of yeah. like the uh, it's like the Dane Evans and Jeremiah Mazzoli of 2021, and now it's the uh, the double coordinator on the offensive side. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, I, I can only see positives out of it, so I, I think it's a, a great hire, and probably will pay dividends down the road. We'll see in those Montreal games if the the Thai Cats have a little little inside info. Speaking of the offense, we saw a lot of creativity uh, against Ottawa. What did what did you think from what you saw from the Tiger Cats offense? Well, what <clears throat> what stands out is obviously the plays where Matt Schiltz came into the game, specifically where Dane Evans and Matt Schiltz stayed on the field together. You know, there was that really unique play where Dane was sort of lined up in the <clears throat> a pistol formation, you know, behind a, a shotgun quarterback and they pitched the ball and then threw through it and it sailed it sailed a bit outside but it was interesting and close to being a uh, a touchdown actually what is what would have been that reception and uh 
I kind of, it seems to me, and this is Coach O and I kind of discussed this earlier this week, I, it seems to me like Dane does well in these unique situations. Like he thrived back and going back and forth with Jeremiah. He thrived yeah. coming in late in 2019 for Jeremiah. And I don't know, the, the, it, was, it was certainly exciting. And Matt Schultz came in and had a couple uh, receptions and obviously a late interception, but it was in a point in the game where it was, it was, it was one of those circumstances for a quarterback where you're going to force it no matter what. And we always talk about, you know, quarterbacks can't force the ball. Well, when it's third down and goal and there's a minute and a half left in the game, you know, you, you're going to, you need to force that. You need to either throw a touchdown and risk throwing an interception because that's all he had. And turns out Ty Cats did get another chance down there uh, in the, in the score zone later in the game. But, you know, Matt Schiltz played decent. And then with, and then in combination, uh, Dane had moments uh, where it looked really interesting and good as well. So a lot of interesting stuff. You mentioned it in the broadcast. They were coming out of the bye week and sort of, uh, you know, had some maybe <laughs> creative inspiration uh, in yeah. the, in the downtime there, but uh, uh, fun to watch. We'll see if it, we'll see if we get more of that in BC. I was at practice yesterday, and there were a, a few of the Matt Schultz, Dane Evans plays on the field at the same time. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see something like that, that creativity again against against BC. Uh, one. The running game, uh, you know, Don Jackson was back in, Luke. Um, it wasn't a, a dominant performance by by Don Jackson. The running game seems to be getting better, not by leaps and bounds, but small increments. Do you see an improvement or do you think it has to show a much larger improvement? Well, improvement, yeah, and, and just still not still not a huge, uh, hugely positive part of the offensive performance. Matt Schultz and Dane also have had a couple uh, positive runs, but you know they're going to have to keep pounding away at it. You can't give it up entirely. You have to keep some some semblance of the run game involved. And Tommy Condell, that's really been the most creative part of his offense is trying to establish the run game, but doing it in creative ways with receivers and quarterbacks. And so uh, I just expect to see uh, uh, more of that, honestly. I mean, th- these receivers are going to be part of that. Bar- Braylon Addison uh, had a couple of productive times. Uh, and I think Tim White's another guy who, who you can who you can expect to, to see that from. But uh, that sort of seems to be the answer for the time being. A couple of trends just won't go away. The, the second halves, the Tiger Cats did win the fourth quarter. Outscoring Ottawa 7-6, so not dominant. <laughs> but now you look at the, the third quarters. They haven't won a third quarter all season long. So coming out of the half, and they've scored just six points in the third quarter all season long. Six points in five games. Is there any explanation for this? these these second half woes as you, as you continue to search for answers, as we know the Tiger Cats players and coaches are? Yep, and and... Now the the total net fourth quarter scoring is negative forty three in the fourth quarter after yeah. having won it by a point. So it is it is ugly, ugly, ugly second halves. And 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 we touched on this in the broadcast as well. Everybody know you can't listen to a Tight Cats Audio Network and not hear the word turnover a couple times. And so everyone's yes. on everyone's on to that problem. But it, the turnovers are second half heavy. Incredibly so, and the Ticats had two first half turnovers in this in the uh, uh, game just passed, but uh, costly fourth quarter turnovers, two of them, and so 
that is the first and obvious answer to the second half woes is you got to continue the ball security throughout the night. But if you looked back game and game, game by game, you know, I don't know if you can blanket one problem on each, on all the, all the, uh, the five second halves that they've played. I don't know if you can, I don't know if you can do that, uh, apart from the turnover, uh, story. And in this last game, it, it was very interesting. Uh, Ottawa got the ball to start the half, the second half, and they had an enormous, an enormous return down to, I think it was the 50 yard line of Hamilton and then had another, had an additional 15 yard penalty. And so they started their offensive attack of the second half deep into Hamilton's end. If you looked back at all the games, I think you could find a few plays here and there that you'd pinpoint and say just bad timing to allow that explosive play, bad time to allow that sack to stop your drive. You, you've got to you've got to march down, stay aggressive, and eliminate those explosive plays against you uh, in at the start of that that third quarter. At practice, Luke, I noticed Dane Evans had a a glove on his non-throwing hand and I asked around and I'm, I've been assured that it was just something he was trying. It's not because of the, the fumbles or, or anything. So did you ever play with a quarterback that, that wore gloves? We, we've seen it occasionally, uh, even on the throwing hand of some quarterbacks, but would, is it unusual if a quarterback has a glove on his non-throwing hand? Uh, it's a little unusual and, and, uh, just like receivers, I mean, you can kind of get in your own head, and and uh, you know, if you if you th- if something's working for you, you know, up here, up in your head, yes. then placebo is a real thing. You might as well just <laughs> you might as well let it work for you in the positive, right? So the uh, I would think that he is probably uh, trying to trying to you know do something to make him think differently. Even if that glove is more a reminder, if he carries the ball in his right hand, that glove can just be more of a reminder, you know, and to iron cross and to uh, when you're in contact and. Um, it may be something like that. I think a lot of times, a lot of times the, the, the problem can come when, even when it's on your non throwing hand on a handoff, you know, that that's, it's, they're so tacky, the gloves that sometimes you can get it locked into a Jersey or stuck on the ball a little bit too long. And, um, could also be something he's trying for practice. It'll be interesting to see if he comes out in BC like that. Uh, but you know, you do whatever you can. And when you, when you've got, uh, when you've got the turnover blues, you just, you just, whatever it takes, you do it, you know, you duct tape the ball while you're walking around <laughs> to your hand, while you walk around the facilities, if you have to, I mean, honestly, yeah. right. Yeah. And a lot of it has been bad luck and you, you hope that those breaks will turn and, and go in your favor at some point. We saw Anthony Johnson make his CFL debut. He's injured, won't play. So Emmanuel Butler comes in. He's, He's a, a large receiver, tall. He'll be a big target. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what he can do. He looked pretty good in the in the preseason. And I'm just, you're number 17. He wears number 17. Is is it is it going to be weird for you to see your number out there? We briefly saw it last year, and and uh, a little bit, yeah. I mean, I. <laughs> I, uh, it's, uh, it was actually assigned to me when I came to Hamilton. I didn't choose 17. Okay. Uh, and I instantly just, uh, it instantly felt like mine. So happy to, uh, you know, I, I don't own it though. So I'm happy to, I'm happy to pass it along and it'll be good to see, uh, especially if he has a great game, maybe scores a touchdown just like, uh, Anthony Johnson did in his, uh, debut. Yeah. So what was, what was your number? If you could have picked, you know, it's crazy. <clears throat> I went, I was 19 in high school by choice. Uh, 
18 in college, not by choice, and 17 with the Ticats, also not by choice. So I don't know. I I, I guess it maybe maybe I would have chose it, but they, but I didn't get the chance to just uh, just for that reason. <laughs> well, you're right in the teens there all the time. I I don't know. Yeah. Well, Dad was 89. <laughs> yeah. But I played quarterback in high school, so I wasn't going to wear 89. But I kept the nine, went for 19, kind of the, and I played free safety, so I wanted a like one of those numbers that kind of works in a lot of different ways. And there you go. <laughs> uh, so you could be uh, your dream. You, you mentioned last week on Tie Cats this week that you know the the, the quarterback dream. It, it really could have happened. You you have experience. I was ready for it. Oh yeah. Well, my high school experience, yes. But I was ready to be back, to be the emergency quarterback. Really was. I, emergency punter as well. Don't forget that one. And place kicker. We we've got a, a great feature where we find out where some of our listeners on the Tie Cats Audio Network are listening from. And we've had a couple say they they want to see you back in uniform, Is it, <laughs> just just to follow up on some some viewer or some listener emails. What's your response to that? Uh, don't trust Ticat fans. They're they're <laughs> a little they're a little crazy, man. They, <laughs> they get a little they get a little loopy during at game time on the uh, Ticats uh, Ticats game days. But no, no, I'm uh, I'm a uh, full full time broadcaster now, RJ. You know that. Hey, I like it. I'll, I'll take you beside me in the broadcast booth any day. We <laughs> we it. haven't we haven't talked about the defense, and maybe that's a good thing because it seems to be going pretty well. But what is what's your evaluation of the Ticats defense this season? Well, they had some good rush on uh, on Saturday, and <clears throat> the story of the first half to me looked like Ottawa really did not have any have much going, except for all of a sudden you'd think, okay, their drive's going to stop, and they'd get a twenty yard play, and then to an out, not not much not much productivity, and then another explosive play down the field. Uh, to me, that's that's actually somewhat promising. I mean, I, I think the Ticats had a good defensive games a game, and it's not like they're every drive getting kicked back and pushed back and pushed back and first down after first down after first down. They actually, in my opinion, had a pretty solid performance. And so you've got a really, really explosive offense in, in BC and you've got to be able to eliminate that slow bleed of just every drive taking up five minutes on the clock. And then, and then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you're just, you're just out there all night as a defensive, as a a defensive player. Um, Love to see that rush continue. Julian Hauser, we saw get in in the backfield. Uh, We mentioned Ted Laurent's name a couple times, obviously one of the longest tenured tie cats and, you know, he's, he's uh, up there in, in his years and in the length of his career. But, uh, but we, he was, uh, on the field at a few big big plays during the game on Saturday, um, and then of course you know what I think of Dylan Wynn, Micah Johnson. They've got a great group up there, and uh, and to see that front four continue to uh, to get better and better and get more and more pressure, uh, it's going to be important for the Tie Cats uh, to continue to to uh, tack some wins in the win column. Well, it, it will be a tough game in BC, ten o'clock start. Uh gonna have to have a, a nap before the game luke but i know you'll be ready <laughs> oh i am i'm gonna i'll be coming i'll be uh across the border and and uh taking a taking a quick uh snooze before this late start <laughs> well if you're if you're going to listen to the game you know go to bed 10 o'clock eastern time start turn the tie catch audio network on we'll bring the energy we'll make sure you don't fall asleep and uh, we'll we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll we'll have it for you we'll, we'll be all pumped and, and fired up looking forward to seeing you at the game nice and late luke but it's it's a big one for the tie catch 
Awesome. Can't wait for it. And yes, it is a very big one to go out West on a short week and to get a win would be a great accomplishment for this team and, and a great uh, way to solidify this turn towards the uh, towards winning uh, that they're starting to make here. Well, we appreciate you listening to Tie Cats this week. The pregame show on Thursday starts at nine o'clock Eastern time. And Luke and I will have the call for kickoff at 10 o'clock. Hope you can tune in to the Tie Cats audio network. It's been another busy week for your Hamilton Tiger Cats. Luke Tasker and RJ Broadhead have covered it all, and now we would like to hear from you. Email us anytime at gamedayatiecats.ca. Subscribe to the Tiger Cats Audio Network on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.